Thank you, praise team. 
Uh, man, you know, what a, what a dangerous song to sing if you really mean those lyrics, come have your way among us. That means that's not about me and my priorities, but whatever you want with my life, Lord. Uh, that can be a very dangerous prayer. So, uh, but at the, at the same time, we know it's a good prayer. I'm glad that you're here with us this morning, especially if you are some of our, our guests. Uh, we, we especially welcome you. And, and if you are some of our guests, uh, there's a tear out in the bulletin. We'd love for you to fill that out and let us know a little bit about who you are and we could get a record of your visit. You can tear that out, place in the offering plate, or give it to a minister at the door at the end of the service. But right now, uh, let's take this time to greet one another and uh, shake somebody's hand or hug somebody's neck and just let them know that you're excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Let's 
blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still. So strong to say, Jesus. 
September 16th, 1620, a small ship sailed with 101 passengers from Plymouth, England to the New World. They sought one thing, freedom to worship. 66 people reached the tip of Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Before going ashore, the men on board signed a written agreement, a document they called the In the name of God, amen. We whose names are underwritten, having undertaken for the glory of God in advancement of the Christian faith, a voyage to plant the first colony, do by these present solemnly and mutually in the presence of God and one another covenant and combine ourselves together. Having been city dwellers in England, the settlers found themselves unprepared for the harsh wilderness. Within a few months, half of the pilgrims had died. Perhaps it seemed their voyage had been in vain, that their quest for a new life had brought them only hardship. Yet, with the help of the natives, the settlers learned to plant and grow crops. By the fall of 1621, they celebrated their first harvest proclaiming it a day of prayer and thanksgiving to God. Now we, as the pilgrims before us, celebrate freedom and abundant blessings from our Heavenly Father. So let us join together and bring an offering of praise and thanksgiving to Almighty God. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To Him who alone does great wonders, who by His understanding made the heavens. Who spread out the earth 
waters, who made the great lights, the sun to govern the day, the moon and the stars to govern the night, who freed us from our enemies, who gives food to every creature. Give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. to God be the glory. Amen. I'm going to ask our children to join me up front. How are we doing today? Good, good. Do you know what I have here? Anybody know what this is? Doctor stuff. Yeah. If you ask Miss Lindsay, it's nurse stuff. Doctors don't know how to use this stuff. But so, yeah, I got a uh, stethoscope. Can you say stethoscope? 
Yeah, that was good. I was looking. That was a yes, no question, but you were close. But yeah, this is a stethoscope. What do you use this for? For your heart. For your heart. And so, uh, if I got a bad heart, I eat some of this. Is that how that works? Well, how does how does it work on your heart? Oh, okay. So, put it on like this, or well, what do I do with this part? But my heart's inside me. Oh, put it on my tummy. All right. And now where does this part go? In your ears. So if I did this and put it on my tummy, I probably got it backwards, don't I? Okay. Put this on my tummy, and then I can hear my heart? It sounds like a pride of lines in there. Man. But yeah, you can you can do this and you can put it on your chest and you can hear you can hear your heartbeat or the doctor might put it on your on your back or on your chest and listen for your lung listen to your lungs and how you're breathing and see if there's congestion in there. So yeah, we, we do that. We can but we can listen to our heart and, and what is this? You know what this a blood pressure. That's pretty good. Blood pressure cuff. Yeah, so put that on your arm and then pump this up a little bit and you can listen to the you can listen to your arm while you pump this up, and you can get a blood pressure reading. And these are things; these are tools. These are tools that can give us an idea of how well our heart is doing, right? How well our heart's working, or if it, or if it might, we might have a sick heart. But you know, there's there's something else. When the Bible talks about heart, oftentimes it doesn't mean that thing that's inside of us that beats and and gives blood to our body. A lot of times when the Bible's talking about heart, it's talking about really, it's talking about really who you are as a person. Who you are as a person. And so how do we how do we check up on that heart? How do we check up on who you are as a person? How, how, how do we know that? That's the question I ask today. And one of the things that we do, you know what, what's coming up this week, right? What are, what's this Thursday? What, what do we do? What's that day? Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, in which we talk about how thankful we are, right? And so we talk about how thankful we are and all that. Listen, if you want to know if you have a heart that is really thankful, I believe, I believe that it has to do with how generous we are. In today's, in today's uh, scripture reading for, for our, our sermon just a little bit, we're going to hear some more words of Jesus that are in the latter parts of the book of Acts. And it says this, listen. It's more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. So if you really, look at me. If we want to check up on our heart and make sure it's pumping right, we got all these tools here and, and we can use those. But if we want to know about our heart, if it's really thankful, then we look and see, are we giving? Do we give to other people? Do we share? Do we give? That's a good question. I hope you do. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for uh, giving your son, Jesus, to us. Give, um, and he came and lived, died on the cross. And Father, help us to be thankful and help us to give in turn to show people that, that we really are thankful. Thankful for each other, thankful most of all unto you. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.
will please be seated. You know, a few weeks ago, we asked Sunday school classes to gather and uh, have some outreach events uh, on, on the night of, of Halloween, and so wanted to follow up with that as a, as, as a missions effort from our church. And so we have uh, Chris Flournoy who wants to uh, come up and share a little bit about uh, what took place with, with his group and his Sunday school class. Well, thank God for Halloween, um, otherwise known as National Evangelism Day. Jesus likened evangelism to being a fish for men, and normally you have to go where the fish are to fish for men, but Halloween is the day the fish come to you. So it's a great opportunity, it was a great idea to, um, to do this. We, um, we met on the Saturday before Halloween as a Sunday school class, and we assembled about 150 kid bags. We, put, uh, we ordered some tracks from Living Waters Ministry. And we put tracks and candy, and we had some Gideon Bibles for some of them put in there. And then we made adult bags. We, in the adult bag, we had some candy, and we had an evangelist at DB called The Biggest Question. And we had a few other th things for some of them we could put in there. But we had about 40 adult bags and 150 kid bags. We met at the Potter's House um, in, in their subdivision, and uh, they're in a cul-de-sac. And we got there about a little before 6 and set up a tent and tables and stuff. And some of us were decked out in, in outfits. I had my Moses costume out, which is really more like Gandalf, I guess. And we, uh, it was a real crowd. We gave out over 100 um, candy bags to kids, and we gave out pretty much all the, all 40 adult bags. And also in the adult bags, we had the church um, information postcards. It was the ones we did use last year with the pumpkin, uh, inside of a pumpkin. We gave those out to the adults as well. And we had some of the curved illusion tricks. We would engage the, the kids and the adults as they came up, and they were all they were very impressed and wanted, wanted to take those. Um, so we gave out a lot of, a lot of tracks, a lot of DVDs, a lot of church information, talk to folks. Um, you know, you, when, when you're dressed up as Moses, talking to somebody dressed up as Captain Jack Sparrow, that you, you're, you're kind of limited how much detail you're going to go into, but the church was definitely advertised, represented well, and the gospel was represented well. And it was a great, it was a great idea. We should do that, we should do that regularly. Um, so um, we enjoyed doing it. We all talked about how great the idea was. We want to meet again and do Christmas caroling in the, in the same neighborhood and kind of, kind of reach a lot of the same people. But uh, yeah, it was a uh, opportunity to get the word of God out. So thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. We don't have to wait till October 31st to evangelize. We can do it all year long. But uh, what a great opportunity. So thank you. Thank you for that. Um, we will be in the book of Acts chapter 20. And so if you want to turn there, uh, book of Acts chapter 20. Um, we'll not I will not read this entire passage uh, all, at, all at once, but I would ask if you would please stand. I want to read Acts 20, beginning in verse 17. Acts 20, 17 through 21. Now from Miles, he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they came to him, he said to them, You know, from the first day I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time serving the Lord with all humility, with tears, and with the trials that came to me through the plots of the Jews, and that I did not shrink back from proclaiming to you anything that was profitable or from teaching to you in public and from house to house. I testified to both Jews and Greeks about repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus. Father, thank you for this passage that we have today. Thank you for preserving your word throughout the generations. Speak now and may we listen. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 
may be seated. So here we have Paul who has gone to, um, who's gone to Ephesus and he's called the elders of the church there to gather and, and he has a farewell address to them. Now he knows what we'll see later is he, he knows this is very likely the last opportunity that he will see them face to face. You'll see that at the end of the chapter he, he says that. Um, but he's gathered the elders together and he wants to encourage them. So he speaks, first of all, about some of his history, about some of the past. Uh, we did that last week in, in, in our church. We looked at our past. And so Paul does that as well. He, he looks at, at who they were and, and what's been proclaimed to them. Then he'll talk a little bit about where they are now and then where they can be in the future uh, as we work our way through this passage. So think, think through that with me as, as we work our way through Paul's address here, his farewell address. But the first thing I want to draw your attention to is in verse 21. Verse 21, he says, I testified to both Jews and Greeks about repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus. Listen, I want to stand before you right now today, and, and I hope, my prayer is that uh, it would never be said about me that I didn't preach the gospel. If I have the opportunity to preach, I want to preach the gospel. I don't want to preach just something that I make up or something that sounds nice. I want to proclaim the gospel. That's what, that's what Paul says that, that, that he did. He always preached repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus. I want to point people to Jesus. I want to point people to Jesus Christ. Listen, there's, there's, there's one Messiah, and his name is Jesus. It's not me, it's not you. Sometimes you maybe you've heard it said this way. There's one God, and it's not you, or it's not me. Uh, there's one Messiah, and his name is Jesus. I would encourage you to never go to a church or never leave a church just because of the pastor. I mean, if, if there is uh, there's sincerely some, some grievous issues then uh, that, that, that can't be worked through, that's one thing, but not just to follow a personality. But here are what I believe, just in this verse, verse 21, there are three essential elements to the gospel. Three essential elements to the gospel. So if I said... I want to be sure that it's always said of me that I proclaim the gospel. Well, we need to know what is the gospel. Three essential elements that are outlined for us just in, in this verse. First of all, there is repentance toward God. Uh, if someone shares their testimony and they, and they, and they only talk about, I, I had this moment when I felt close to God and I've been trying to live for God, and they never talk about sin that was part of their life, and they never talk about repentance, then I would, first of all, press them a little bit more to tell me more of their testimony. I don't want just to assume they're not a Christian, not a believer, but I'd want to find that out. Was there ever a time that you came to repentance, that you turned away from your previous life to pursue a life in Christ? That is essential. It's critical. That is that, that must take place. So when you share your testimony, I hope you always talk about a time of repentance in which you realize you're a sinner destined to hell but you turned away from that to pursue Jesus Christ and eternal life. There's always an element of repentance, or should be, uh, whenever we share our testimony, but there is always an element of repentance whenever we're speaking about the gospel. But not only that, we place our faith in Jesus. We place our faith in Jesus. Um, sometimes people will ask for empirical signs. How do I know that Jesus is who he said he is? How do I know that Jesus is who you say he is? Well, 
we can, we can give all kinds of reasonable and logical proofs. There are, there are, there are lots of proofs out there that, that exist. And when I say that, I mean maybe a better word is evidences. There's a great deal of evidence that speaks about who Jesus is, uh, both internally in, in the Scripture and externally, just from historians that speak about who Jesus is. But at the, at, at the very end of the day, it becomes, it becomes an element of faith becomes an element of faith. You can line up all of the evidences that speak about who Jesus is, but at some point, you have to trust what you're hearing. There's an element of faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. If you're looking to please God, but you don't have faith in Jesus Christ, it's impossible. It's impossible to please God apart from faith. But you know, it's not just that it requires faith to trust in Jesus Christ. It certainly does. But, y'all, it, it requires faith just to get up and go about your day. Whether you claim to be a Christian, an atheist, or anything in between, it requires faith. All kinds of things in our life requires faith. When I drive down the road, I have faith that the oncoming traffic will stay in their lane. When I sit in a chair, I have faith that it will hold me up. I don't even think about breathing or my heart beating, but I have faith that it's going to continue. Faith is a part of our life all over the place. So why is it so difficult to think about it when it comes to spirituality? But we must have faith. Paul says that we repent, we, we exercise repentance toward God and we place our faith in Jesus. But not just Jesus. Look at what he called Jesus, the, 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 the title he gives. We must also acknowledge Christ as Lord. We must acknowledge Christ as Lord. He is our Savior, absolutely. Absolutely. But he's also our Lord. And sometimes we want to separate the two, and you can't. If he's not your Lord, how can he save you? And if he is your Savior, why is he not your Lord? We often want salvation without discipline. We want mercy without sacrifice. We want gifts without being generous. We want to receive forgiveness, but we don't want to extend forgiveness. But he's not just your Savior that saves you from hell. He is certainly that. But he's also our Lord. He is Lord. Earlier in the book of Acts, Peter one time looked and in prayer and said, No, Lord. And that is the most contradictory statement that may have ever been uttered. If he's your Lord, the answer is yes. It's not no. It's yes. Is he Lord of your life? Does he determine what you do, where you go, what you say, how you think, how you behave, how you treat others, how you respond in conflict, how you respond in great times. Is he your Lord? Well, let's move on. Look at verse 22. And now I'm on my way to Jerusalem, bound in my spirit, not knowing that I will not knowing what I will encounter there, except that it that in town after town, the Holy Spirit testifies to me that chains and afflictions are waiting for me. But, and look at this, verse 24, but I count my life of no value to myself so that I may finish my course in the ministry I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. He's moving on. He talked about, Paul talked about what they had received, the gospel of Jesus Christ, repentance unto God, Placing your, your faith in Jesus Christ, your Lord. 
And he says, you have that. You have that. And now he says, and I'm moving toward Jerusalem. I'm moving toward Jerusalem so that I may fulfill my calling. My encouragement to you this morning is to know your calling. Not just that you were called by Jesus unto salvation, that you were called out of sin, that you were called to repentance and to place your faith in Jesus Christ, but you have a calling. You have a calling on your life, and it's not just occupational. Sometimes we, we elevate the call to ministry or missions, uh, and, and I think there is a significant call there, but there is also a call on your life. If God, God has gifted you, God has given you talents, whatever your occupational field may be. God has, God has called you there. God has called you to share the gospel with your coworkers, with your friends, with your classmates, with your neighbors, just like we heard about a little bit ago with our, our, our Halloween outreach. What is, what is your calling? What is your calling among the church? If you're a part of the church, you're expected to serve. So what is your calling there and to serve God's bride or to serve God's church, the bride of Christ? What is your calling? What is your calling? And are you willing to forsake all in pursuit of that call? I think in Matthew chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46, there's two parables there. Two parables that speak of this giving of everything in order to pursue what is of great value. Um, There's a man who found a great pearl, and he went and sold everything he had so that he could purchase that pearl. The other story is about a man walking through a field and discovers a treasure in the field and sold what he needed in order to purchase that field so that he might obtain that treasure. Well, listen, that pearl of great price and that, that treasure, Jesus Christ is our great treasure. Would you give it all in order to, to have him, in order to pursue that call that he's placed on your life? Jesus even says, the one that saves his life will lose it, and the, the one who loses his life for my sake, he shall find it. What is your calling? Are you willing to give it all? Listen, I love that parable of the treasure in the field. The man didn't go and just buy a few little square feet of, of land. The parable says he bought the entire field because the entire field was worth it to him in order to obtain the treasure. Is it worth it to you to give up the things that we cling to so tightly in order to pursue Christ and pursue the calling he has on your life? <clears throat> You can turn to Philippians chapter 3 if you want to. I'm going to read to you again some of Paul's words as he's written this letter to the church in Philippi. Philippians 3, verse 7. Um, well, let me back up. The first part of that chapter, he talked about how zealous he was toward persecuting the church, how he was on the fast track to be the high priest, how he was a Jew of Jew, and he was, he was the top of his class. I mean, he was on the fast track to success, according to Hebrew thought. But look what he says after he met Jesus. Philippians 3, 7. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in the 
view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of it, for which was also laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers, I do not regard myself as laying hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to that what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He said all of that was, all of that that was worldly, I count it as rubbish. I count it as trash. It's useless. It's worthless. And I forget about that. And I press on toward what God has called me to do. Back in our passage in Acts, he says this, So I may finish my course and the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. That's what Paul's going to do. He's standing there in, in, before the elders in Ephesus. He could stay right there. He could. He could be the elder of elders at the church in Ephesus if he wanted to. But he says, I'm leaving here, You're in, I'm, and I'm entrusting you with this church, and I'm leaving because the Lord has called me to Jerusalem and ultimately called me to Rome, and that's what I must do. And I press on. I forget about all those things. I, I, I forget about all those things that were, that were a part of my life. I count everything of the world as trash for the surpassing knowledge of knowing my Lord, Jesus Christ. My question, are you willing to lay it all aside to pursue your calling? Are you willing to lay it all aside to pursue your calling? Maybe you've heard the story before. There were two uh, Moravian Christians. They lived in, in Germany. They made their, way to, uh, made their way to Copenhagen. This is in 1732. They were there. They were there because they needed to take the gospel. They felt the call to take the gospel to the West Indies, uh, all those nice, beautiful islands down in the Caribbean. And they said, well, you, you, you can't go. We're, you know, we're in the slave trade, and, and you're not slaves, and so you can't board the ship, you can't go. And so legend has it that they sold themselves into slavery. And as the ship is leaving that day, they wave goodbye to their families, both of these guys, their, their wives and their children. And they were never heard from again, but they took the gospel to the islands. And there are churches there today that trace their history back to these two men who sold themselves into slavery to carry the gospel are you willing to leave everything behind to pursue the calling God has placed on your life Paul was willing to do that and he set an example for the elders in Ephesus well let's move forward look at verse 28 be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock that the Holy Spirit has appointed you as uh, has appointed to you as overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. 
And men will rise up from your own number with deviant doctrines to lure the disciples into following them. Therefore, be on alert, remembering the night and day for three years I did not stop warning each one of you with tears. The word that's used there in verse 28, shepherd the church of God. First of all, the word shepherd there is a verb. It can also be a noun, but it says to shepherd them. The church of God, which, by the way, he purchased with his own blood. It's not, it's not the shepherd's church. It's not the pastor's church. It's God's church. You've been appointed as overseers. The Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers of the church of God, which he purchased. But a, a few things to note here. As a pastor or shepherd, those words interchangeable for us right now. A pastor and shepherd. And as we, as Northside, look for our next pastor, just some important things to note here uh, from this passage and from, and from others. As we look for our next pastor, first of all, we should seek a pastor that feeds and waters the flock. You can lead the sheep out to pasture you can lead them beside still waters but it's up to the sheep to eat and up to the sheep to drink but we need a pastor that will give us what we need not just what we want number two we must recognize that the flock belongs to God That's what I just said a moment ago the uh, passage here says that God he purchased with his own blood now some people would think well that, that that's a problem because we want to say well it was Jesus's blood it's not a problem for me because I, I serve a Trinitarian God. And uh, beyond that, if he is the son, you can also express it that way. It's his own blood that was, that, was, that was on the cross. And so, yes, this church belongs to God. You've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Every church that is a church has been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. So we recognize the flock belongs to God. I said before, there is one Messiah, and it's not you and it's not me. I had a pastor tell me a long time ago, as, as you go into the ministry, realize this, Jesus died for the church. You don't have to. Um, in other words, you work hard for the church, but don't forsake your own, don't forsake your own personal study and walk with the Lord, and don't forsake your family for the sake of the workings of the church. Jesus died for the church. You don't have to. And so we need to recognize that it's Jesus Christ who has died, and it's God's flock. And thirdly, as, as Paul illustrates in this passage, we need a pastor who will protect the flock. That comes from outside. Oftentimes, oftentimes, you don't even recognize that there has been a threat. You don't even know that there's been a threat from the outside if the pastor is doing a good job. And also from within, from within, we protect the flock, mostly through prayer and counsel, and we need a pastor who will do that. But let's continue. Let's continue. Look at, look at, the, look at uh, Titus, if you will. Titus, uh, in verse 5, talks about elders. It says this, As I directed you to appoint elders in every town, one who is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of wildness or rebellion, for an overseer as God's administrator, must be blameless, not arrogant, not hot-tempered, not addicted to wine, not a bully, not greedy for money, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, righteous, holy, self-controlled, 
holding to the faithful message as taught, so that he will be able to encourage with sound teaching and to refute those who contradict it. Churches, we look for our next pastor. Here are just a few things I believe Paul would encourage of us to seek who will be the next pastor in our, in, in our church for, for Northside. Someone who feeds and waters the flock. Someone who recognizes the flock belongs to God. And someone who will protect the flock. As Paul shared with the elders there, that that's what they were to do for the church in Ephesus. And then as in, in conclusion, look at verse 32. Acts 20, verse 32. And now I commit to you, God... Uh, excuse me. And now I commit you to God and to the message of His grace which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands have provided for my needs and for those who are with me. In every way, I've shown you that by laboring like this, it is necessary to help the weak and to keep in mind the words of the Lord Jesus. For he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, I know that he is addressing the elders here in Ephesus. But this last part almost seems like he's addressing the entire church. And that is simply this. Be generous. Be generous. A couple of quotes to keep in mind is one that we have, we have here from Jesus. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And then on this last Sunday before we celebrate Thanksgiving Day with your families, your friends across this country, I believe this. The greatest expression of gratitude is generosity. It's more blessed to give and to receive, and the greatest expression of gratitude is generosity. Give of your money, give of your time, give of your talents. Luke chapter 14 talks about this. As Jesus says, look, invite those to the banquet who can't repay you. Your treasure is in heaven. Serve those who you know can't repay you. That's a good test. And yes, the preacher just mentioned tithing and giving of his money. We should give our money. I love what J.D. Greer says to his church. He says, if you think I'm up here to talk about giving just so that you will put money in our offering plate, he says, understand this. I would love for you to do that. But secondly, it's this. If you're not already a tither, if you're having a difficult time with placing something in the offering, um, do this for me. Give somewhere else. Because what's more important is that you're missing the blessing of what, it, what comes when you give. Give it three months. Put your money somewhere else for three months, for six months. And just see if the Lord doesn't bless you. Now, if you are a regular giver and tither, you know, you can continue to give to our church. We would appreciate that. But, but it's, it's, it's the blessing that you miss when you don't give. That's more important to me. So be sure that you're giving. Be generous. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Those are not my words. Those are Jesus' words. But it's not just about money. Do you serve? Are you involved in serving in the, in the church? Do you give to other missions and ministries? Our missions and evangelism team met this past week, and we are almost ready to just roll out some great opportunities for 2019. I'm so excited about it. You can join us in that. Or maybe it's something beyond that. Maybe it's just you and your family. Can you sponsor a child? I told you a few months ago that, that my family began a sponsorship of, of a child in, in Colombia. 
And it's great, it's great to hear my children pray for, for, for Maria every night. And we, we correspond with her, and we got a correspondence from, from her not too long ago. It's fantastic. I would encourage you, if you can, to do that. Or it might be something even larger. Can you be a foster family? Can you be a foster family? Can you volunteer at a nursing home or a food bank or at a local school or a clothing closet? Can you volunteer? Is there something you can do? It's more blessed to give than to receive. Don't be selfish or conceited or arrogant or self-seeking. Don't be prideful. Because it does come back to pride. C.S. Lewis says, in fact, if you want to know how, prou how proud you are, the easiest way is to ask yourself, how much do I dislike it when other people snub me or refuse to take any notice of me or shove their oar in me or patronize me or show off? The point is that each person's pride is in competition with everyone else's pride. It is because I wanted to be the big noise at the party that I'm so annoyed at someone else being the big noise. That's got to be early 1900 British, the big noise at the party. But it bothers us when someone else gets the recognition because we thought we ought to get the recognition. It's pride. I'll just conclude with this. First of all, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord, we can make that right today. Repent. Repent unto God. Turn away from your sin and the death as a result of sin. Put your faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord. <laughs> the next one is know your calling. But there's nothing, there's nothing more important than making sure you got that right. We look forward to celebrating Thanksgiving this coming week, but the truth is, and this is a hard truth, none of us is guaranteed tomorrow, much less next Thursday or next Sunday. Don't wait to get it right. Don't wait. Repent. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Know your calling. Are you willing to lay everything aside? Luke 9, 23, Jesus said, If any man would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. If you want to follow Jesus? Put yourself aside. Every day, take up the cross. Number three, pray for and seek. Let's pray for and seek our next pastor elder, someone who will proclaim sound doctrine, someone who will be on the alert for wolves, Number four, we're to be generous. Be generous with our time, our talents, our, our money, our gifts. Be generous with your prayers, with your grace, with forgiving. Be generous with encouragement. Be generous. Let's pray. Father, today we looked at a farewell address of the Apostle Paul. But Lord, I believe it holds truth for us today as well. He looked at the past and he said, you've heard the gospel. Jesus Christ came, lived a sinless life, 
crucified, was resurrected, that you too, you place your faith in him. Repent and place your faith in Jesus. You may have eternal life. Father, I pray that there's someone here today that doesn't know that, that they can know it. Father, that we uh, pursue a calling on our life. Where are you leading us? Where are you guiding us? May we follow you. Lord, we pray for the next man you have for Northside. Let him be a man of, of virtue and a, a man of integrity, a man who can, who can lead as a, as a pastor should. Father, help us to be generous, especially this week as we think about Thanksgiving. Let us be generous. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Lord, teach us and lead us now. May we listen. May we follow. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to ask if you would please stand. Uh, and you spend time in prayer with your Lord. If he's not your Lord, come and we can, we can work through that. Maybe get that settled today. But as God speaks, you listen and you respond. As we sing this last song together. Blessed Redeemer, sing, O earth, his wonderful love proclaim. Hail him, hail him, highest archangels in glory, strength and honor, give to his holy name. Like a shepherd, Jesus will guard his children in his arms. His excellent greatness. Praise him, praise him, ever in joyful song. Amen. It's been good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Uh, I'm glad that, that you all were here. Um, I just want to make note of a, a few things in, in the bulletin. First of all, there are no services tonight nor Wednesday night. Um, and uh, just know that next Sunday, have our regularly scheduled quarterly uh, church conference uh, next Sunday night. And then I want to draw your attention, December 2nd, it says uh, there's a ministry leaders meeting. If you look at the note that's on the TV outside, it, that date's incorrect. That's, that's something on it says August something or another. Don't worry about that. We're, we're trying to plan ahead, but we're not quite that far ahead yet. Um, but December 2nd, and so if you're a ministry leader, uh, just, just know that I will probably be calling you in the next couple of weeks or reaching out to you just to come and get a calendar together. We want to get together and make sure that we've got 2019 uh, kind of scheduled out. Um, and then I just want to mention, uh, many of you may already know, but some of you may, may not, uh, one of our, our triplets is in the, in, the, in the hospital, maybe there for a week or so, right, with some, what's that? Right, right. Hopefully no longer than a week. Hattie is there with some respiratory issues, pneumonia, and they're trying to get that all uh, squared away. So be in prayer for them, uh, especially today and the next week. Um, have a great day, a great Thanksgiving. Uh, well, I will see you back here next Sunday. Philip, will you come and lead us in a closing word? Father, thank you for the mission that you've given us, Lord. Uh, Father, I pray that we would, would take up our cross and follow you daily as we've been commanded to do, Lord. Thank you for allowing us the opportunity to gather together and worship you um, and to lift one another up, take care of one another. Uh, 
Father, I pray in particular for young Hattie. Lord, I pray that you would, would strengthen her lungs, um, help the, Lord, help the uh, doctors make sound decisions, and that she would feel better and be back with us soon. I pray for her parents.